Well, hello and welcome everyone to this special episode on Bus Talk. Leadership Studio presents the Corner Office. And let me begin with a short story. While we were growing up, I mean climbing up the management ladder, it was a dream to be in the corner office. And we worked tirelessly to get across the aisle, you know, starting from the far end of the corridor and grinding it out in the middle, navigating through competition, commotion, promotions and tons of hard work. Then one day when it was time and we were just ready to move in, the corner office disappeared. The work culture had changed to open seating, which meant everybody now sat across the floor instead of the proverbial corner office, which as it stands today is nothing but your own home office. Such is life, or as they say, And so in today's discussion, I will talk with somebody who has been a bona fide occupant of that corner office for a long time and share what it takes to get there. Friends, I have a fascinating discussion lined up for you today. So if you are a sales leader or aspire to be one or just a new manager, this podcast will surely leave you with some nuggets to better understand the corporate world around you. The questions are aimed to make you think and reflect, not just at your leadership quotient today, but how it may shape your career tomorrow. It's about everything you wanted to know, but were hesitant to ask. To help us understand better, I have invited a seasoned sales leader to share an unconstrained point of view on the why, what and how of sales leadership. Inviting this personality is a bit nostalgic, a bit dramatic, a bit fantastic and a bit cathartic. One tends to remember those who helped shape your thinking in formative management years. This person has been the proverbial alpha sales leader for most part, having led complex businesses from Lotus to Oracle to his latest AI-based fintech venture Goals 101. With strong Netritva skills, he led his leadership team, the Netritva team, to great success. He's a directory on Art of War and for many of his diehard fans, he's God's gift to management kind and sets fire to leadership style content and quotient. Ladies and gentlemen, I am delighted to welcome Mr. Sandeep Mathur. All right, now let's move on to another interesting segment, Sandeep. We are going to talk about the how behind hiring, sales management, and a future of sales careers, some of which we already addressed in the previous segment. But like I said, there are a lot of subtexts to the questions. Sure. So let me begin in the context of hiring. And we were just discussing about the millennials and the snowflake generation. So question sometimes they ask is, how do you handle a dragon warrior if you are not a master Shifu? So do you have the skill sets to even understand me? <laughs> or if you don't, then why would you want to hire a dragon warrior? Yeah. Uh, and so you will you will face this in your career at some point in time or not, uh, where you think that what can I add as value to this particular individual who is clearly better than I am? Uh, my submission is that you always hire people who are better than you or hire for people where you have blind spots. The key in all of this is back to sort of, and some of these truths are, are all prevailing, right? Like they say, right? Gita is all prevalent, right? It's not going to change. The message of Gita is so beautiful that it's not going to change over next thousands of years because it, the message is the, is the key. And so I think 
there what you learned and and what you were taught as a coaching mindset and being making you the best that you can be everybody needs a coach and so it doesn't matter how talented and as an individual you are and maybe i don't understand the extent of the skills that that person can hone themselves on to or has better skills than me but what i can be is i can be a good coach and i can be a good counsel and i can help the person get better and more importantly in today's world provide that emotional comfort that a lot of these people are are missing because they are coming from smaller homes sometimes broken families and and being able to have somebody who's a confidant confide in them who doesn't judge them periodically and it's hard if you're a manager to not judge but if you if you demonstrate those abilities i think you will earn your respect and and so begs the question that how do you separate mediocrity from excellence then because sometimes it is if you are not that master chief who then it's totally out of syllabus for you and you think that what the mediocre standards that you maintain you sometimes think of it to be the excellent standard un- until someone comes along and says dude what were you thinking all this while so how do you do separate mediocrity from excellence yeah so i think again excellence is a is an ongoing thing right people think there's a there's an excellence point there is no point right you you constantly strive for better and and better than where you are today and that's the only only thing otherwise you're going to lead very very stressful life uh, mm-hmm. and not that i one i would recommend you you want to be better than where you are today uh focus on the focus on the team strength are you saying be more content content is again i i don't want to say con- content because content somehow has this connotation that i'm satisfied with where i am i i'm not saying that i i'm i'm saying i want to improve uh and i want to benchmark but i want to more benchmark against myself than i want to benchmark externally is is what i would say because the factors that you have the everything else that you have under your control is different right resources that you have i mean look at english premier league look at leicester as a team right as a team they performed exceptionally well and therefore they won the title a few years ago when nobody expected them to and every now and then you will see it in in sports so i look for inspiration in sports and and my view in, in all of that is that you you have to ultimately the team back to sort of one of our earlier questions i think the team has to play really well and if you are an architect of the team you have to figure out what skills you are in you're putting in the team how does an every individual that you bring in add value to the team overall and and how totally that becomes a strength now if that team is improving over a period of time and if everybody is doing well then i think that's a great journey to have if out of that only one or two people are prospering then that's not a great story to have frankly right and so how do you therefore get the energy the requisite energy to sustain this madness around us is it intrinsic or do you think it can be acquired by following some leaders what are your thoughts on that well so the energy the the ownership of creating energy cannot be just yours and if you are the only one who is taking a team out of atrophy then wrong number right because it will become a immense burden on you and so the the servitude leadership style uh, which a lot of people are now following allows everybody to express themselves and therefore there will be leadership opportunities within the team for different people to come in right there the age experience seniority doesn't matter and the first thing you have to establish is within a team construct is that once you're a part of the team everybody is an equal including you yourself and therefore the ownership of keeping momentum and drive and all of that has got to happen to everybody if everybody looks on to the leader for that all the time the leader is going to have trouble because the leader is also going to have bad days and good days right and so if they are supposed to go and inject 
every time there is uh, the teams feeling low, that's not going to help. I think it's got to be situational. I think people have to sort of rise up and the ownership of driving energy within the team has to reside with all the team members and that should be made amply clear. I would make that very clear very early. But that also, you know, the analogy comes out that intensity, once you're trying to increase sales intensity, yeah. uh, one also needs to understand how to better manage the sales pressure with the team. Mm. So for those set of managers listening, early uh, sales managers listening to this conversation, what's your advice to them that how do you manage the sales intensity and the sales pressure while the deadline of the quarter end always remains real? Yeah, so don't be a hero. I think a lot of uh, sales careers and salespeople have have, uh, killed themselves because they wanted to be heroes. You know, expecting the unexpected, delivering the unexpected, (laughs) uh, coming at the end of the quarter and saving the company so as to say, you know, don't don't strive to do that. Uh, be, Be somebody who's predictable, who can deliver the bad news first. If your quarter is not going well, I would say that upfront. I would not hide and somehow push the team. And, you know, as a team, you got to rally and say, this is the reality of my market. This is what's going to happen. Otherwise, if you take it on yourself and and the team and put your team under tremendous pressure every now and then, unfortunately, they will break unless you have tempered them over years. And, and that requires a lot of work, right? So turning coal into diamond while pressure applied to coal turns that into diamond, but also understand that, you know, that's uh, that's a very different kind of a pressure and and you have to be carbon atoms in that structure, <laughs> lattice structure, which will allow you to do that, right? So, so, you know, don't just take a lot of these things literally. I think you have to also know, but pressure makes a team get better, I think. But, but yeah, my advice is that, that do it slowly, gradually, get the bonding going. If your bonds are strong, then the team can sustain that pressure. But if some people attempt to do it, even when they don't have a bond, they think the rally cry of saving the quarter is going to get them there. I think that's wrong because you haven't even created a bond. I don't even know who are the people. And that's getting tougher because people are changing jobs faster. Frankly, the CVs that I see now, every two years people change a job. It was considered sacrilege in my time. You don't change jobs every year and a half, two years, right? Because what's the value that you're ordering? It, it takes time to build. So I think, again, back to sort of that point, you want to apply pressure only when you believe your bonds are strong. You know, I can, all, can almost visualize this audience listening and some of the jaws must have <laughs> dropped <laughs> hearing you say this. <laughs> you know, the fountainhead of pressure, mm-hmm. as it were. So how times change? It also asks the question, right, that how do you therefore get a team to rally behind a lead vision even if they disagree because as a leader I'm sure like you said there are all types of people around you some who completely agree with you and some don't kind of identify such people who don't so how do you get them to rally and make achieve the uber goal which is to succeed uh, the quarter so how do you get the team to rally behind the goal well that's basically through discussion it's through setting out the vision it's explaining the larger goal that you're trying to achieve in life and then frankly you got to make a call if people are not rallying then you get rid of them right i mean what do you do uh, you have to have conversations and and get them out because there is no other way right i mean i might choose to have different opinions but the moment i am majority prevailed or whichever way we decided to do in in this way once we have agreed to that path then i can have no doubts in my mind is the way i think right So I will have a point of view, I will say things, but if the group has now decided and the team has now decided this is the path that we are on, there's no point in constantly going back and arguing. And if I'm doing that, 
them not not being a good team player i'm not going to be a part of that journey and as a leader they should be ejecting me out of that team because i i'm not worthy of that team anymore so that's a tough call that a leader needs to make but they should make it quickly got it let's switch gears and move a little into the future of sales careers I, we spoke a little bit about the impact of automation but let's talk about geographies so how true is the american dream right now you know back in the 90s it was perhaps order of the day to try and move uh, to the united states and because there was a significant difference in all walks of life that difference in the last 10 years or so has almost halved if not lesson yes we don't have the same infrastructure but urban lifestyle to urban lifestyle the lives are pretty comparable as it was so in your opinion is is the american dream over now or is it time for china and if so why well the american dream is definitely over i think for for all practical purposes i think what's happening to visas and regulations and uh, various other things the the classic dream uh, is over it's not that easy anymore we are seeing a number of h1b folks losing the jobs returning homes all of those things right i frankly uh, i and in my career i've never looked at it like that right for me it's where the opportunity is i have not set a goal and said i want to work here or work there or whatever right um, i always look at my career as where is the best utilization of my skills my opportunities right where do i see success over the over the next few years and uh, and it didn't matter whether it was north america or whether it was you know asia pacific or any other market i've operated in most of the markets now uh, in europe so i think that's what it's all about so i i don't know if there are people who still want to like who have single minded goals or hey, i want to go to the us i think that's bizarre because what are you going to achieve once you get there right so uh, so over a long term you have to chase i think personally you have to chase different goals and and those goals are more around you know how you're going to find happiness how you're going to find a challenge how you're going to sort of progress all of those goals are far larger than these geography oriented goals is what i would say uh the time for china i don't know i mean i i think it's yeah. it's definitely time for asia it's been time for asia for last 25 30 years uh, and going forward 25 30 years is going to be the same the hotbed of innovation the way the us is it'll still be a hotbed of innovation and hmm. others will find it hard because we still like to copy first then innovate and so you know right. it, it it will change but it'll not change that dramatically and us will remain competitive because of the way they are where innovation mm-hmm. always takes higher ground new products sell faster in the us only because companies are are constantly worried about who's going to who's going to come and take their place and therefore they they hold innovation and r&d at a much higher level than than our companies do now maybe it will change here but currently mm-hmm. there is no evidence of of that you worked with both american Uh, management and chinese management and a lot of people are increasingly working with a uh, chinese origin management mm. let's put it that way what do you see a significant change in managing such leaders in the current scheme of things yeah so i think it's it's very different management styles uh, frankly you know with the us you get tremendous amount of flexibility they expect you to speak up your mind they expect you to be innovative and fail fast and so there are lots of these virtues and qualities which have built large american companies chinese companies generally are built by discipline and so that's the sort of old japanese way if you want to call it that and chinese are probably going to hate me for saying it but but chinese companies are built like that and therefore you know coming together and and the 
processes are more important than the processes are exactly and and it's also tougher i just think that you know the, i don't know if people saw this uh, uh, this netflix uh, series called american factory i think that was an eye opener right because that sort of tells you how how different you know nationalities behave mm. but but definitely in those companies what happens is that whole notion around sort of that discipline and ro ro ra ra on a daily basis even if i'm not happy i'm going to i'm going to work for 20 hours and i will toil and i will you know all of that takes far more precedence saving your face versus telling the truth you know some of the things which are which are part of the of the chinese culture or mostly asian culture mm-hmm. in, including india by the way i mean the reason why there are great disappointments at the end of the quarters for a lot of multinational companies is because indian sales people don't like to deliver bad news mm-hmm. right? they they love to keep on saying till the last day that a deal will come and then the deal slips mm-hmm. and so that causes a lot of anxiety and anguish right and perfect learning lesson for upcoming uh, management roles for example the set of people who are currently as individual contributors and are aspiring to become a manager in 2025 given the fact that perhaps chinese management is going to be a reality much more closer than say an american management which has traditionally been the case so what should the current individual contributor change or adapt or look forward to between now and 2025 so that when the right time comes they are already hit the ground running okay that's that's a that's a really good question and and i was very fortunate to work for a guy called steve young who i thought was one of the finest managers uh, however the the difference was that while from chinese origin and steve lives in hong kong but he had you know international degrees and he had worked with a number of international companies so i think that had broadened his horizon so the first warning sign i will tell you and and i meet a number of people who work for the chinese and korean and all these companies and or japanese for that matter you know you you have to know their culture really well before you accept a role in that culture it's like joining a reliance for example right and so uh, it's not it's not an easy task you have to get used to the fact that you know there'll be a lot of disappointments there'll be a lot of different things but they will also take care of you all that so they, it's a very very different style so don't assume the style my suggestion going into a role like that will be to actually go down the culture the culture angle lot more talk to hr and ask about every single thing and then see if this is something that you will be happy in as much as it's about about adaptability but also if it hurts if it hits you or at the core level right and those are compromises you can't make uh, in your own life then you will not be happy and you will not be successful so i would say uh, don't under underestimate i think a lot of people have underestimated in the past and have paid the price for it so don't underestimate i think go in trying to understand what sort of a culture that company is building and like i said you are going to see these traits you are going to see a ro ro ra ra uh, not speaking up all the time not being allowed to speak up keeping your thoughts to yourself having more one on one conversations you know ideation being the fall in line trend emerging the fall in line is definitely there and and don't deliver the bad news you know somehow mm. solve the problem don't tell me what the problem is you know things like that right so so those things those attributes if you're comfortable with those skills and attributes then i think it works with if you're not then i would say go elsewhere don't don't try and think that you'll be able to adapt to it because there are there are strong cultural differences and that leads me to a very interesting question branding 
how important is branding? A lot of people have this perpetual dream to be in a tier one branded organization. And when they do arrive there, they can't, for lack of a better expression, get rid of their Jumri Talaya experience, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> they will try to search for that small water hole in, yes. in, in, in that environment, which clearly does not exist. Yeah. And yet the reverse flow is also there. A lot of the folks who have perpetually worked in a tier one branded environment when they descend, again, I use it very carefully, when they descend into a, say, a startup environment, they carry the baggage of a tier one environment. What are your thoughts on these points? Yeah, so I I think, you know, if you're working for a large company today, it's a mistake because they are always or will always have to be politically correct and they have to be right and they will always have bureaucratic rules and and so you know my suggestion is that avoid the my obvious suggestion to everybody is to turn into an entrepreneur be a job creator than a than a job seeker and clearly if there are two of you and one of you has a steady job then the other one should take the plunge right at least one of you should try it in a in a in a situation where you have a part you know it's it's gonna get tougher i think going forward from here is is how i see it right and the final question in this segment is about the work-life balance you know how do you balance a career and an epitaph is there a is it overrated work-life balance or the lack thereof no i i think it's on the contrary i think it's underrated i think the we don't have work-life balance and most of us discover that after many many years and you constantly ask yourself the question was it worth it right Mm -hmm. and so it's only worth it if you enjoyed the time doing it and so constantly reevaluate in the in the context of your happiness right and um, and i've always done that right so acquiring things uh, while that was something i did it didn't it didn't sort of give me happiness so i discovered that very quickly so just to give an example right 24 year old i bought a tiger watch okay and it was a princely sum of money but i bought it and then i figured like what the heck happened nothing happened right until so, tells her time know, like my life didn't become better, better girls, better looking girls but didn't start approaching me or, you know, whatever my fantasy was at that point in time. None of those things happened, right? So I said, okay, so there's another watch, you know, at 28, 29 or yeah, 29, I think it was in the UK, I bought a BMW. Okay, so nothing happened. So, you know, you get these out of your system because sometimes it's important, you don't want to listen to people who tell you this, but sometimes it's important to get it out of your system. So get them out of your system very early. So you start figuring out what's really important. You know, some people say that you'd better cry in a BMW than a Maruti 800. <laughs> so that is very. <laughs> I don't agree with that. I actually, I actually think that, uh, and and uh, you know, everybody says that, and everybody knows it. It's only because you haven't experienced it. It's something you have to experience. Unfortunately, you 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 cannot learn and imbibe it. I think it's you have to. Some of the people have to experience it, and if you're wise enough to get it, then you got it already. But um, but I think the the more important things are part of life is you know are you are you enjoying it? I enjoy sales. I love it. I truly truly enjoy leading people. And I don't find it a pain. I love talking to people love seeing them become successful, love seeing the transformation in people when I work with them, right? Uh, and to become an aid to how their development and their growth and all of that. So it genuinely makes me happy when I look at the teams in the past that I've worked with and people around me who've done exceptionally well and how their thinking has evolved over a period of time, including you, I am. We're sitting down and chatting, right? The evolution of you as in, you know, and you feel that you contributed in a little bit way or, or had a little bit of influence it truly, truly sort of feels rewarding. And so 
if that's the experience you're going for and you think all the hard work that you put in during that time to talk to people made them who they are, you know, that that's, if you made sacrifices in personal life, it's okay because, you know, you choose that. If you think your personal life is very, very important, you know, your loved one is very important, spending time with your kids is very important and then get your work to take a back seat. It's okay. It's fine. It's okay. You don't have to run as hard and there are moments when you can run. It is ultimately a marathon, right? So you can pace yourself. I didn't want to pace my, I wanted to run fast, hard as much as I could. Anyway, I do it even today, right? It doesn't bother me uh, because I, I'm constantly chasing the learning. I'm a, I'm a learning freak. I want to learn new things. I want to understand new things, uh, uh, you know, and, and experience new things in life. So if that's the su- kind of sucker you are, then you will constantly sort of be on the move. Everybody doesn't have to be that, right? So I think discovering who you are, uh, a self-discovery is very, very important because that is your path to to finally sort of finding happiness if that's your goal. Great. Well, thank you for the segment, Sandeep. Very, very interesting and a lot of new learnings as well. With that, we finish this segment and we'll move on to the rapid fire segment after this. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you liked that part of Corner Office, stay tuned for the final episode. We cover all the four corners in this final episode where we have a rapid fire section lined up just for you. Tune in to listen to a brutal straight talk from a seasoned campaigner. It asks tough questions and gets a no holds barred, no management mumbo jumbo direct answer. So don't forget to tune in and if you want to make sure that you are listening to it the moment it is launched, log in to www.anchor.fm slash Ganban if you want to check it on the web or it will be available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify for and or Android users. Send me a voice note in the link below if you want any further questions, topics or suggestions to be included in this conversation. You can email them to me at gyanban at gmail.com that's G-Y-A-N-B-A-N-N or hashtag G-Y-A-N-B-A-N. You can send me a tweet. I'll try and see if I could include them in the episode. Till then, be well, stay safe and get your A-game to work. This is your host GB and you are listening to Bus Talk Leadership Studios Corner Office. Thank you.